We are in a series this summer in what's been uh, labeled the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. And so we're just really at the very beginning of it. So if you turn to Romans chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible, there's a, a blue one in front of you somewhere that you can find in one of the chairs. And page 944 is the page that we're under, we're on. And a perfect song to segue into uh, Romans 8, that there is no condemnation. So let's stand together as we read the first 11 verses of Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You may be seated and let's take a moment to reflect together on God's word. Our focus this morning are really on the verses uh, 5 through 11. And when I read these verses, I'm mostly interested in this phrase in verse 6. I want you to find it with me. Uh, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit, and here's the phrase I'm interested in finding out more about, is life and peace. How do you live with life? How do you live with life and peace? I'm interested in that. I'm interested in knowing about life. I'm interested in knowing about a life of peace. And my guess is quite a few of you are interested in that kind of life. And Paul seems to be saying this kind of life, this, this life that's really life. Remember, Jesus says, I've come to it, that they might have life, real, real life. Not just that you're breathing, but you're, you're really living as God has intended you to live. This kind of life and peace comes through verse 4 walking according to the Spirit. So if you want to chase after life and peace, then you have to walk according to the Spirit. So my main question here for myself and for anybody who's interested in life and peace is, well, how do I walk according to the Spirit? I I want to chase after. I want to live in line with the Lord. I want to have a life of life and peace. So how do I walk according to the Spirit? So that's what I'm going to try to think about both today and tomorrow. But before we answer that question, it's always important to, to remember how Paul's arguing here or how he's talking to get, the, to get it clear in our mind, 
Paul's order, because if we get this out of order, then we can get disordered ourselves. So let's just review in our own thinking. First of all, verse 1, because of Jesus, now, sweetest news I can tell you, there is no condemnation. That's the best news. Because of Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Trumpets blast. That's the emancipation proclamation. That is, you've been set free. The, the, the jail has opened up and you can, can walk out. And there is no condemnation, number two, because God has done something. Look at verse three, the very first few words. For God has done The reason I can be set free, the reason you can be set free, the reason anyone can be set free is because God has done something. And this is so critical and so important because this is the gospel. This is the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion tells you what you have to do to get to God. Christianity informs you of what God has done to get to you. So there's no condemnation. It's not based on me. Praise God. It's based on God. He's actually done something. Well, what has he done? See that in verse 3 and 4? He sent his son. And his son fulfilled all righteousness. His son lived a perfect life. He lived just according to God's commands, just according to God's decrees. And then on the cross, there was a great exchange. Here's how Paul says it. He, verse 3 and 4, he, meaning God, condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in Jesus's flesh. And then he gave us Jesus's righteousness. There was this great exchange. And we've talked about that in these last few weeks. So that's what God has done. It's you're saved by grace alone. Got that? It's got to be the first step in the path. Because if you If you jump over that step and get to the next step, then you're going to get out of order in your mind and your soul. And the next step is now, because of all that transaction, verse 4, now I begin to walk differently. I begin to walk not according to, to the flesh, not according to my old habits, according to my old patterns. Now that God has done something, I've trusted in God. Now, now I'm walking in a different way. I'm walking according to the Spirit. So if you're a true follower of Christ, you begin to behave what you believe, not just say what you believe. Make sure you hear that. If you really are following after Jesus, then you're going to begin to behave what you believe, not to just say what you believe. And so let me give you this uh, Old Testament picture of how this works because it's helpful, again, for us to have it in our minds. So we, most of us probably remember the story of the Israelites being saved out of Egypt. So Moses comes out of the desert. He comes in. They have all these plagues. Uh, the last plague is the angel of death. Pharaoh finally lets them go. They all get to this, this uh, boundary of the Red Sea, and they look behind, and here comes Pharaoh's army. And it looks completely hopeless. And Moses stands up there before the Red Sea. And he says these words from God's mouth. Fear not. See the salvation of the Lord. Which he will work for you today. You hear that? Here's how salvation is going to come. By God's work. 
And then he says, here's the only thing you have to do. God's going to fight for you, only you be still. That's how salvation happens. I don't have anything to contribute to my salvation except for my sin. I just have to be still and completely trust God, and God makes a way. And then they get on the other side, and they have this great celebration. And then after the celebration, what's the first thing God does? He leads them to Mount Sinai and gives them the law and says, now this is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to behave. Now, aren't you glad? Aren't you so glad it wasn't the other way around? Aren't you so glad Moses didn't come across the desert and into Egypt and say, guys, here's the Ten Commandments. As soon as you get that square, you're saved. Now, how many would think that's good news? Uh, No hands, right? No, no. God's going to do something. And then after he's done something, then this is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to walk. And you're supposed to walk according to the Spirit. So we've got to have that order in mind. So now we're, we're, we're walking according to the Spirit, verse 4. And this word according means under the influence of. Or I'm inclined to. Or I'm, I'm, maybe the word I'm going to repeat is, uh, it's holding sway in my life. Something else has an effect in my life. You might think of it as like gravity. When, when you're in outer space, you're just floating around. But when you enter the Earth's orbit, when you enter the atmosphere of the Earth, it, it has a gravitational effect. So you stay on the ground. And there might be other influences, like the moon, we see that the, influ- the influence of the moon here in Wilmington. And it has an effect, but it's not big enough to pull you away from the gravi- gravitational effect of the earth. When you become a Christian, you get in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. And it holds you to himself. Now, there's still going to be other influences that are going to be trying to pull you away, but you're under the sway of, you're under the the gravitational pull of the Holy Spirit, and and he's designing how you walk. So this morning, again, back to my initial question, how do we walk according to, how do we walk under the sway of the Holy Spirit? And I want to answer that this week and next week. So I want to give you two, three points Two of them here this morning and one next week. First of all, you walk according to the, walking according to the Spirit is not magic. Walking according to the Spirit, it's not magic. Salvation is a free gift, but sanctification requires an all-out effort on your part. It's not like, well, I got salvation, it's a free gift, and my sanctification, I just sit around and wait for it to happen. Guess what? It doesn't happen that way. It requires your all-out effort. Now, let me give you some Bible verses just to make sure you're not just hearing what I say, you hear what the Lord has says. Jeremiah 29, 11, most of us know this verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. A lot of us might have this uh, plaque in our hallway. We see it every day on a refrigerator. But it's not magic. It's not as if you go to the refrigerator, you read that every day, and then I prosper today. That's not how it works. And you know it doesn't work that way because Jeremiah follows up in verse 12. Call upon me. Pray 
And you will find me when you seek me with, what does it say? Half of your heart. (laughs) Call upon me, pray, and you're going to find me when you seek me half-heartedly. No, no, it doesn't say that. Call upon me, seek after me, and you're going, you will find me when you use all of your effort. You make every effort. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, such a helpful verse by Peter, because you know about Peter. Here's how he says it in one of his closing letters before he's crucified himself. Dear friends, as aliens and strangers of this world. Hear that? You're aliens and strangers in this world. You're, you're underneath a new gravitational effect. Something else has a, has a pull on your life. And this is what he says. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Peter says you're in a war. You have to understand that as a Christian. If you're walking according to the Spirit, you're, you're in a war. And nobody knows that better than poor Peter, does he? Lost a lot of battles in his war. Remember when he, he rebuked Jesus? Jesus says, hey, we're going to the cross. And Peter says, hey, we're, we're just not going to go that way. And Jesus takes him aside and says, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance. Hard, hard words to hear. And you remember what Jesus says? You're setting your mind not on the things of God, but the things of man. See, Peter, right now, you're underneath a different gravitational pull that mankind is pulling you away to say, I don't want to go the suffering route. I want to go a different route. And so Peter says, we've got, we've got to abstain from these sinful desires because we're in a war. And then again, another well-known verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, he's talking to these new believers in Corinth. And he says this, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get that prize. Give an all-out effort. Everyone who competes in the games, go, they go into strict training. So I discipline my body and I make it my slave. I, I, I give an all-out effort in the process of my sanctification. So I, I want us to be sure, and I think we know, but... When we're talking about this walking according to the Spirit, it's not magic. It requires an all-out effort on your part. So we have to systematically design our lives to follow after Jesus. You might say it's inspiration and perspiration. Second thing here, three things I'm going to mention one next week. First, it's, it, it's not magic. It takes all-out effort. Second, you've got to set your mind. You see this recurring phrase in verses 5, 6, and 7. It's, it says it three different ways. Set your mind. Set your mind. And when you think about this word mind, don't just think of your brain. That's not the, the purpose of this word. It's, it's your reason, your affections, and your habits. Your reason, your affections, and your habits. So when he's saying set your mind, he's saying set your reason to it, set your affections to it, set your habits to it. I love the book uh, by James Smith, You Are What You Love. He says this, we are so much more than just brains on a stick. I love that phrase. 
See, because a lot of times you can get into uh, sort of Christian academic settings, and this could even be one where you just feel like, if I just know all the right information, then I'm going to do right. Is that right? No, no. Most of the time, you know all the right information, honestly. But somehow, you can't do right. You got you to train your affections. You got to train your habits in a certain way. He says, uh, discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than just knowing. You can't think your way to holiness. So let me, let me, underneath this, set your minds. Let me give you some categories of how you set your mind. One way you set your mind, your affections, your habits on the things of the Spirit to be able to walk according to the Spirit is that you read God's Word. This is so simple, but yet so difficult for many of us to do. I was listening to some podcasts, and they were saying uh, they had done a survey of all the habits people had and how that translated to healthy spiritual growth. And there was one habit that was above all other habits. You know what it was? Reading the Bible. That if you found somebody who was regularly reading the Bible, it was a better indicator that they were growing in holiness. They were growing in their understanding of the Lord. And so setting our minds, setting our affections, setting our habits is, is reading God's word, John 14, 26. Jesus is in this last discourse with his disciples. And he says this, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And listen to what he says. He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I have said. So how are you going to live a Christ-like life, guys? You're gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to remind you what I said. That, that's how you know. Deuteronomy 11, this is Moses' final exhortation to the people crossing into the promised land. Fix these words of God in your hearts and minds. You've got to fix them. You've got to attach them to your heart and mind. And I love how Psalm 119, how does a young man, how does a young person keep his way pure? What does it say? By living according to your word. How do you keep your way pure? How do you live according to the Spirit? By by understanding, by digesting, by having a thirst, having a hunger for God's Word. And so you walk according to the Spirit by marinating in the Word of God. Just think if someone calls you, they, they need help. They need some advice. They're in a a jam. They're in some kind of difficulty. And you say, well, I've always thought this. I'm not saying that's terrible. But that's not like repeating God's word. So somebody calls you and they're feeling some kind of financial stress. You know, in Hebrews it says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with whatever God is, be content with, with what you have because God has said, I'm going to never leave you or forsake you. So I'm under financial stress. I'm trying to find a man way out and somebody needs to come and say, hey, you know what? Try to live in peace because God sees and God's never going to leave you. And that can help you. Someone calls because there's some fear of death. Romans 14, if we live, we live to the Lord. 
If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, whether you live or die, you belong to the Lord. You're discouraged. You're fearful. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, be not be dismayed because I am your God. I'm strengthening, I'm gonna strengthen you, I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna uphold you. These are all promises. So so you walk according to the Spirit by knowing God's word. You help each other walk according to the Spirit by saying God's word. So let me just ask you a question on this. Do you have some strategy for reading and digesting the Bible? I mean, all of us can just go on our phone right now and get a plan. That's not hard. But do you actually do it? And maybe you just need somebody to help you, to spur one another on, it says in Hebrews. Maybe you just need somebody to to hold you accountable. And so I I would encourage you to do that. I want to notice just one little uh, understanding Paul has here. Sure evidence of not walking according to the Spirit is hostility to God's Word. Now, now, when Paul is saying that, I don't think he means, oh, I don't care for God's word, and I'm going to just chuck it out the window. I think he means more like, I just don't care for some parts of it. You, you all remember the famous Thomas Jefferson Bible? Remember that? He literally took a pair of scissors and cut out parts of the Bible he didn't like. And I wonder if some of you are doing that. You're hostile. You wouldn't say I'm hostile to the Bible. I'm just hostile to this verse right here. So I'd like to just kind of cut that out. You want to be careful. You might be hostile to God's word. A second way, one big way of setting your mind is is digesting marinating, meditating on God's word. A second way of setting your mind and affections of, on, uh, and your habits on the things of the spirit is you're careful, listen carefully, about what you put in front of your eyes. Remember the words of uh, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. Remember that? And he, and he talks about if, if the eye lets in light, then the whole body has light. But if, if all that comes through the, the portal of the eye is darkness, then your whole soul is going to be full of darkness. I have a friend who has a, a skylight in their living room. And he's noticed over time that as the sun comes in, it hits this one spot, of course. And it's changed the, permanently changed the color of the floor, his hardwood floors in his living room. So you walk in, you see the sun, and you go, okay, I see this spot right here. Because over time, the light has changed the color of the floor. The light you let in to your soul through your eyes changes the color of your soul. And if you let in darkness, you're going to get darkness. And so I just want you to think carefully about what you're putting in front of your eyes. This, is, this would be important in any culture and in any generation. But today, I mean, just your iPhone, your, 
your pads, your, your computer screens, everything's coming through this portal. Paul writes this letter to his friends. It's one of the best letters in the, Old, in the New Testament, Philippians, is a very friendly letter. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is, or, or is excellent or praiseworthy, what does he say? Think about these things. Let these things come into your soul. Let these things change the, the content of your soul. Let this change the light in your soul. And I realize it would be easy to sort of pick on like R-rated movies or some show that maybe you shouldn't watch and it'd be like the low-hanging fruit. But, but honestly, I think it just happens all the time more on a regular basis. So let me try to step on a few toes. So a lot of you have Instagram. And you know, I have an Instagram. And I don't use it that much, but I noticed that because I'm friends with you, what does it say? You know what it says? Hey, you're friends with so-and-so, so you might enjoy following these people because they follow them. Now, a lot of you are like, okay, just, just unfriending Paul Phillips right now <laughs> from my Instagram, right? And guess what Pastor Paul does? Hmm, I wonder why they're following these people. And what I'm afraid of is you think, first of all, okay, he's a dinosaur. (laughs) And it doesn't really affect me. And I don't really look at that. I just think you're fooling yourself. I think you scroll through the bodies and the, the, the sayings and, and it, and you're letting it into your soul. And you don't have to take my, do not take my word for it. Take Jesus's word for it. He's saying your eyes are a window on your soul. And so what, what are you putting? Are you careful? Are you vigilant? Are you making an all-out effort? Or are you just like, oh, I don't know. That's not so bad. I, I would want to implore you to be like a well-trained athlete. To say, I just can't afford to go to Burger King. I, I've got to just get rid of that kind of stuff because if I start ingesting this stuff, I'm not going to be ready for the battle. And there's a battle that you're going to face and maybe our nation's going to face and it's going to need well-trained athletes who really can stand in very difficult times. And if you've been feeding your soul through all these portals... You may want to be able to stand firm. You're just not going to be able to. Because you haven't trained when it's been easy. Now, I might start preaching, so let me get to another point here. Third point. Setting your mind, setting your affection, setting your habits on the, on the things of the Spirit so that you're in the sway of, you're under the gravitational pull of the spirit. Third way you do that is you, you, you set your mind and your affections on eternal realities rather than temporary realities. You're more influenced. 
doesn't mean you're not influenced by current circumstances, but you're more influenced by eternal realities than temporary or current realities. I think this is the main point for Paul in verses 10 and 11 and 18. So let's just revisit those. But if Christ is in you, now Paul's writing to this Roman church, which is under heavy persecution. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him, the spirit of God is has raised Jesus from the death, dead, if he dwells in you, then he's also going to give life to your mortal bodies. Roman citizens, when your body, and this happened, is wrapped with an oily rag and you are tied to a 20-foot stake and you are planted into a garden for a garden party and you're lit up to be the lantern. You're going to need to know this verse right here. If Christ was raised from the dead, if that spirit is living in you, he's going to raise you from the dead. And if that eternal reality works its way all the way down, then even when you get the difficult news from the doctor, even when you have the difficult financial event, even when these things happen and they are going to happen, you're going you're gonna to still suffer. But you're going to say, but my mind is focused more on this external reality rather than my current circumstances. Verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present moment, real sufferings, are not compared. They're not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. You see how Paul, he's trying to help them understand, guys, you've got to have this locked down. There's still going to be suffering but I'm just, I don't want you to confuse your current suffering with an eternal reality. We've got to make sure you understand there's some distance between those two things. What a challenge. This is a challenge when you're in pain. And it's a requirement of the body of Christ to come around you to remind you of these things. Because you're not going to be able to remind yourself very well close with this one of the most influential books i ever read on dealing with suffering was a guy named philip yancey i would recommend this book it's it's kind of dated now but really well done it's called disappointment with god and through the book he has all kinds of stories he did a lot of interviews of people who had very very tragic very difficult circumstances some of them were physical some of them were their family some of them were financial sort of all over the board and he encounters a guy named Douglas who he says is like a modern-day Job because it seemed like everything fell apart from, for Douglas. His wife, he had family issues, he had physical issues, he got in an accident, and he has lunch with this guy named Douglas, and he's asking him about these issues, and does he feel any disappointment with God? Here's what Douglas says. I don't feel any disappointment with God. So I waited for him to explain The reason, Philip, is this. I I learned first through my wife's illness and then especially through the accident not to confuse God with life. I'm not stoic. I am upset about what happened to me as anyone could be. I feel free to curse the unfairness of life and to vent all my grief and anger. But I believe God feels the same way about my accident. 
He's grieved. He's angry. And I don't blame him for what happened. I have learned to see, listen, I have learned to see beyond the physical reality in this world to the spiritual reality. I think our problem is if we tend to think life should be fair because God is fair. But God is not our own personal life. And if I confuse God with the physical reality of life by expecting constant good health, then I'm setting myself up for crashing disappointment. God's existence, even his love for me, does not depend on my good health. Wow. I mean, here's a man who's suffering, and he's going to suffer the rest of his days. But he separated his current circumstances from ultimate reality. He still is going to have to live through this. But there's a, do you see, there's a greater gravitational pull for him. And it's something that's not worth comparing to the present sufferings of this world. It's not that you don't suffer, but in the end, you'll say, that was like a gnat compared to these eternal realities that are rushing toward me and are forever. And that's how you walk according to, that's how you walk under the sway of the Spirit as a Christian. Okay, so if you and I were going to lunch today, first of all, you'd take me off your Instagram. I understand that. (laughs) But here would be questions that you would just, you would want to ask each other. And men, if you're married, just you, you initiate this conversation at some point today with your wife. Are you making an all-out effort? Try to be honest. Just in this area, yes. This area, no. No effort over here. I mean, you say. Are you making an all-out effort? How is your spiritual training What are you letting in to your eyes? Do you need any adjustment? I saw this uh, movie or television show, and it had some teenagers in it. And the teenager, so funny and so typical, he said, uh, the the parent was saying, you just need to unfollow that person because they were bullying the person. And what did the teenager say? I can't unfollow somebody. What would happen? Did you see how we've got ourselves so backwards? We can't unfollow somebody who's pulling our soul down in order to follow Jesus. Is there anything coming in that needs to be addressed? Are you making an all-out effort? are the eternal realities, are they having a greater gravitational pull on current circumstances? Let's pray together. Lord, this is just, just reading out of these verses like drinking from a fire hydrant. And so my prayer is just one phrase, one, one word, one, one word spoken to a soul here would be, the word that you have for your people and that they wouldn't ignore it. They wouldn't get caught up in
uh, a tennis match or a golf game or talking to a friend or the busyness of a week coming up to, to ignore this word about the condition of their soul. Would you, would you help us? Would you strengthen us? Would you help us to walk according to the Spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.